at your life for the Durag Dungeon. I'm your host, that boy Coot, back with another regular-ass episode of Carolina Kid Podcast Rewind. This episode is brought to you by Asher Ankles and Smeller Earring Bags. Subscribe to the Rats Intelligence anywhere podcasts are downloaded. Following the Rod and Karen Dodger, leave a nice five-star review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts and I'll read it on the show. Also, leave me a voice message and donate on anchor.fm slash datboycoot. That's anchor.fm slash datboycoot. So, I'm going to be real with y'all this morning. Um, the first thing I talk about is not going to be happy. The rest of it can be funny, weird, and very inspirational, you know, but this one hurt my heart and I felt like I just had to talk about it, you know, and I had to play this clip um, because there's this clip of this 10 year old girl and just, just listen, just listen. And you've probably heard this before, but it hurt my heart, man. you're not familiar with what's going on right now so um basically palestine and israel are back at it again like just i mean israel's just bombing the shit out of palestine right now like just pulverizing them and the reason why they've been treating them like shit for so long is because like the little girl said in that video because they're muslim that's literally the only reason why they're doing this and honestly israel is evil for this and israel just so happens to be our ally 
so of course american politicians are going to speak out and say like oh yeah 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 yeah, we stand with israel dot 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 y'all motherfuckers ain't shit because you basically are allies with an evil country y'all should have y'all should have gut nut checked the motherfuckers a long time ago at the door that's why i'm talking to you beaming mitten yahoo i'm talking to you you know what i'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about? so hey why is this bullshit happening you know what i'm saying like ramadan just ended you know what i'm saying like i don't know man i'm not muslim but i got a heart you know what i'm saying and don't nobody have no heart no more man like they were just like we just bombing the shit out of them because you know because we can like what Y'all gave them this little strip of land that they had left. Y'all basically took the land that was really theirs. But we can keep going on this shit. It be the bullshit. And no one should have to go through that. This little girl was like, I just want to be a doctor, bro. She has been forced into a situation where she basically has to grow up. You know what I'm saying? Like, she can't have a childhood. She can't be a kid. The whole shit fucked up for her. She's sitting here like, damn, I don't even know no more, man. Like, this shit like fuck it like i'm just gonna cry and hope i don't die i mean at this point shit she's like i don't even know man i don't even know (laughs) shit's crazy shit's fucking crazy so um let's lighten up the mood in here man good god that's some heavy shit Rory and Maul detail what led to the end of the joe bud pie i told y'all niggas (laughs) I told y'all niggas, if you haven't listened to my, my my bonus episode, I talked about Joe Budden's podcast ending, right? And basically, I was like, hey, niggas, hey, niggas, guess what? I told y'all. <laughs> told you so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So Roy and Mal respond following Joe Budden's fire podcast rant where he basically fired Rory. And I think he just, yeah, Mal was like, fuck this shit. So, Rory Farrell and Jamil Maul Clay have responded after Joe Budden fired the pair during a fiery disagreement on the last episode of the Joe Budden podcast. In a video titled, I'll name this response later, two former hosts of the show discussed the drama surrounding their departure for over an hour. And when I tell you (laughs) that shit was good, I don't even like Joe Budden podcast. I like I, I I know of them and I know like them by proxy because honestly the lot of shit that I listen to tends to be recommended and sometimes it accidentally plays because a nigga got YouTube premium and um you know uh I'll be like what the fuck damn they interviewing a nigga I like click turn it off don't do it don't do it don't do it. it's like watching Vlad TV you know Vlad TV come on you like nah no no dude. No, nigga interviewing. He implicate niggas. No. <laughs> no. I did. He the cops. He is the police. No. He the cops. He is the police. He the cops. He is the police. Like, we not doing that shit. We not. We, no, never. Mm-mm. So, honestly, to see Rory and Ma be like, hey, man, we trying not to, like, talk shit. But I gotta get this shit off my chest, type of shit. You know, 
Rory's gonna defend my man. He's my man. He ain't my man. He's gonna defend Joe Budden for all the fuck shit he basically put them through. And basically, he's basically what they said was like, "Hey, Joe Budden really changed over this time period." And like every time they talked about like anything related to money, Joe Budden be like, "No." <laughs> you like, "Whoa, hey, hold, chill the fuck out." I just need to know what what's this. And <laughs> they just be like, "What's this?" Like. To, to hear how bad and the accounting situation was makes you go like damn they were they was scheme, scheming in your nicks <laughs> it was um by the way i did some research on like how much they were possibly making so apparently um rory and mall were making about two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year apiece for being on the joe budden podcast right Joe Button himself was making about half a million a year on the podcast, which, nigga, that's some good money. Um, it doesn't matter which way the taxes work. Um, that's some, that's some good damn money. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, apparently, you know, they started kind of, and and honestly, this is all speculation with those figures. Those figures are rumored. It's not necessarily a- a- actual. Like, oh, this is how much they make. But it's like, bro, like. You know, they would just ask for a little bit more money. Joe Budden's like, no. <laughs> and it just, it just kept getting like, t- there was more tension there when it came to the money. It was never, it could have been a three-way split, three, three thirty-three on each end, but it won't, it won't, it won't three thirty-three. <laughs> it won't three thirty-three on each end. It was like five hundred, two fifty, two fifty. Like, shit. Well, guess we're going through this. <laughs> Might as well tell them about it. So, you know, um, it was so many weird things that came up over the years. And I think they had just basically had the last straw. They were like, straw broke the camel back. The camel said, fuck a hump. You know, it's just like, what, what we're doing? <laughs> what we're doing here, we still looking at each other, licking our chops. Like, well, we, we could be getting more money, but Joe Budden's really getting much more of an, much more of an asshole. <laughs> yes, I'm much more of an asshole now. <laughs> you know, it's just like... What do you do at this point? Like, they were like, hey, man, I ain't come back up. There. Like, Roy was like, I'm going to try and come back up there. But Ma was like, fuck that shit. I ain't come back up there. I can't do the fake shit. Remember, remember, you know, I, I remember seeing a Dilla interview a long time ago. He was talking about, like, man, Wu-Tang would be, like, smiling on stage and them niggas would be fighting backstage. <laughs> like, it would be like. You know, Dylan was seeing a trial call quest. The niggas was fighting backstage. It was like, man, these niggas don't like each other. Like, it was, it's always shit like that, bro. Like, but they are like a pot. Like I said, I'm not really a fan of the Joe Budden podcast. But, <laughs> but these niggas have been together for six years and they got like, like Spotify deals and stuff and. Like, you know, Joe Budden is, like, doing amazingly in this podcast game with them two niggas, you know? It's just like, bro, like, what we, what we doing? And 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 I think I have a clip here. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can get this clip rolling here. Let me see. We have a profit agreement, a percentage-based contract with each other, and every time we ask for accounting, there was a problem. You never wanted to give nobody accounting. You don't want to show us the, the, the real numbers from the deals and all of this other shit. And it's like, all right, fam, what are we doing? Because, again, we have this contract. And if you're not going to honor this contract, like you said in front of other people, then it's like this shit ain't going to work. 
it's not gonna work and if you don't like i said if respect ain't there i'm not there we have a pro so so uh basically he's like hey man you ain't respecting you ain't respecting me motherfucker so basically he was like fuck it we done because <laughs> like them niggas said that they were doing like shit from a spreadsheet don't nobody do accounting from a spreadsheet to their employees okay no, they give you a fucking balance sheet and be like, all right, this is what, so this is how much you get taken out of. This is, it's much more professional than that. It, it, it's much better than a spreadsheet, at least. Them niggas was like, shit, this is not how we did it everywhere else, you know? So, I, hey, the shit was sketch-a-ma-ditch. Sketch-a-ma-ditch. <laughs> Very not kosher. That shit needed so much fucking explanation. Th them motherfuckers sat there for an hour. And told them, hey, Joe Budden, respectfully, but disrespectfully, fuck you. <laughs> like, and and I said this in that extra episode. Go listen to my bonus episode. Like, I have a history with consuming Joe Budden content from all the way back to, like, 2005, 2006, 2007. Like, early YouTube. And um, I saw the signs, man. I, I, I saw the sign. I saw the sign, nigga, that this motherfucker won't shit. <laughs> like, like that nigga, that nigga really is a problem. Okay, um, he's abusive. Um, he led to a miscarriage of a baby. Okay, and that man has a serious abusive and anger, anger, anger problem. And. Um, Rory and Maul got to see the wrath of Joe Budden because this happened so many times. So many times. At this point, you got to go like, do we need this nigga in culture? <laughs> like, why was he there in the first place? You know, they talking about, they talked to Royce of 5-9, said that, you know, Royce of 5-9 got some stories. I'm like, I bet they do. Like, he, he, they talking with so many niggas. Like, hey, man, I'm telling you, that nigga Joe. <laughs> like, it's so many people. It's so many people that's like, shit, I'm, I'm just being real. <laughs> this nigga ain't right. You know, when they got to keep being like, hey, man, let me tell you something. If, if there's 10 million niggas that keep saying, hey, man, let me tell you something. You already know it's a problem. That nigga got problems. That nigga is fucking crazy. All right, so um, I'm going to do one more story. And this is a continuation of the, the previous story. It's it's more on the other side of things. Straight from Hot 97, I have uh, Joe Budden apologizing to Rory after firing him from his podcast. From his podcast. Joe Budden issues an apology to his former co-host after firing him on air. Joe let Rory go last week for his dark energy and arrogance and entitlement, quote unquote. In the linked audio, you can hear Joe say, since Rory feels like he has so many options here. No, 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 let me say it again. Let me say it again. I've said this. I've said this before. I've said this before. I have to say it in Joe Budden voice again. Since Rory feels like he has so many options here, somehow he feels like he's going to run the show. He feels like he's entitled to more. Rory, you are the breach in your contract. And from this point forward, you are fired. You are not welcome back. It's not the same, but, you know. Rory responded via Twitter. He says, man, what an error. <laughs> uh, 
Ah, thank you to everyone that listened, supported, told their friends about us, bought a subscription, ticket, or merch. Any value starts and ends with y'all. I'll get to that messy shit soon. But in the meantime, I'm here to celebrate an amazing run. Love. So, so, so let's do, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. I have a clip. Another clip here, right? Um, this is Rory, not Ma. <laughs> Ma was earlier. This is Rory. So let's see if we can get it. Wasn't it. They, they expressed it to us. I'm, it's not my place to say, even no, though they said. My place it, to even, say. No, no, even though it's they said their place, place about me, I still don't return the favor when people do shit to me. I'm saying it. People expressed that they were overworked and underpaid. So well, shit. I say to Ian, and Ian and Joe, I don't care what narratives you spend, anything, whatever. I said to Ian, don't pay me this month or next. Don't, don't give me that amount of money. I remember. And that was a lot of fucking money. Yeah. I said, don't pay me. Let's put it into production. Let's put it into the guys. This is not about money to me. Let Let's keep this down. shit moving. Right. Like, I don't need this shit. Right. We could just stick to whatever contract. I don't need this. Like, I don't need it right now. Because you, you even came to me with that. You was like, yo, we should, the first month, Patreon check, we should both just give it to the guys. Yeah. Camera guys, Savon, like, Alex, families, people, Parks. Everyone looks Parks. like they're Parks. working crazy. Parks. I can just see it, that people are just open. But um, yeah, so so this is kind of like what Rory and Miles on, right? They're like, hey man, these dudes getting their ass kicked on the set. Cause it's more than just Joe, Rory, Miles. It's a whole ensemble of people. Remember, this is a video podcast. There are people producing this. There are people editing this. There are people putting this whole thing together. It is not just three niggas. It is an entire production crew. And they completely underpaid them and overworked them. That's something that you noticed immediately. That you was like, oh shit. It's not just that. It can't be. And they were like, man, we'll give up our budget because we making so much money. We good. Right? And the funny thing is, Royal Mall didn't make it about money. Joe Budden made this shit about money. <laughs> they were like, shit. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'm, I'm with it. We can get paid still, but... Joe Bob's like, no, give me all my money. All of it. All of it. <laughs> it was like, shit. All right, man. Nigga. Shit, what we doing? <laughs> but um we have reached the middle of this episode. And there's a lot more to cover. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna take a break. We shall be back, nigga. Poofy. shoppers everywhere take time out to pause and refresh. Almost everyone appreciates the best. Racing sparkling, the bit of quick energy you get in Coke, makes it the perfect refreshment every time. It gives you a bright little lift. brings you back so refreshed so quickly. Ice cold Coca-Cola. 
and we back niggas so real quick let me talk about dmx's exodus album coming in two weeks um so dmx's exodus album features joint collab with jay-z and nas man this is <laughs> this is almost like reuniting murder with the original murder ink was the original murder ink was what was it was it red man is it red man um dmx and jay-z if i'm not mistaken i think that was the original murder ink and then irv Gotti basically said i'm gonna create my own murder ink since they don't want to actually become a group a super group right so he was like fuck it let's let's just do you know murder ink with ja rule you know ashanti you know all these folks so that's what that happened because irv was definitely involved in early dmx days right um but yeah like DMX's career is much longer than y'all think, too. He was doing this shit in the early 90s. I found an old freestyle from DMX. I was like, what the fuck? This shit is, like, way, 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 like, different. This His flow was different. His voice was different. This was, like, early 90s flow because, you know, I'm going to say after a certain period, rapping changed, right? And honestly, there's a few rappers that we can definitely say that contribute to that. I could definitely say like a Cool G rap, a Rakim, a Big Daddy Kane, and a Biggie, a, a, a Jay Z, you know, um, a Nas, right? So it's it's crazy. So um, basically, you know, we're talking about um, features from Usher, Jay Z, Alicia Keys, The Locks, Snoop, Griselda, and two verses from Nas. Like crazy that is crazy so with that being said this is going to be the grand finale and it will be his first posthumous album it will be named exodus of course exodus is the name of his child and it's also tattooed on his neck exodus chapter one verse seven <clears throat> please go read that <laughs> if you really want to know what's up please go read that um <clears throat> so i got a weird story for y'all um and y'all are like why why are we why are we doing this hey man i be watching <laughs> i be watching real life lore sometimes in the infographic show nigga i be watching weird shit on youtube a lot sue me nigga I, so um this area has 35 entrances 3708 apartments Welcome to the Russian Kowloon Walled City. And if you're not familiar with the original Kowloon Walled City, I think this article may help you a little bit with this. And, nigga, the, the picture for this guy, mm, look at this. <laughs> wow, I'm telling the gods, what is this? What is this? Holy shit, this is crazy. This is terrifying. Like... <laughs> When I talk about ain't no space for nothing, shit, shit. <laughs> oh my god, this is terrible. These pictures, oh my god, this is new. It looked like it's old because communism. <laughs> like this shit new. It looked old because communism. So um, let's read into this a little bit. So number one, Oblastnaya Street in St. Petersburg, Russia. Famous Cordovo district. 
this is that very crazy big building you cannot find or, 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 or fit in a single photo. This is big as shit, yet claustrophobic as shit. It is a walled city. It's not as bad as Kowloon because if if you go Google Kowloon City, Hong Kong, China, or, or, or China, like it is terrifying. Cause you're like, how does light get in there? Oh yeah, light doesn't. And apparently it was a lot of crime. There was a lot of like really bad shit going on. Imagine like your average projects, but times 500. You know what I'm saying? Like everything that go on in the projects, but no light get there. Um, you know, like ain't nobody, you know, like the, the picture that I saw of the Kowloon, like Wall City, it was kids playing with like telephone poles and shit. Like it was, it was kids playing around. Oh, this play with this antenna over here. Like it was crazy. The shit looked like it was night 24-7. Like you were in Alaska or some shit. Aurora Borealis was like daytime for your ass. <laughs> like, it's so damn scary, man. This shit's crazy. 25 floors up of just nothing but like claustrophobia. <laughs> it's hard to imagine how to find the desired apartment here. 35 entrances. Okay. 35. Look. Here's the final apartment. It's 200 and wait, 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 no, 2,588. And and it's it's literally like, <clears throat> God, it's actually 3,708. But who's counting? This there's 4,000 cars that are parking in this walled city. And um, man, I just I keep looking at these pictures, I, nigga. I recommend everyone look up walled cities this is this this is pure hell <laughs> i'm still looking at this and i'm like bro like how you do that <laughs> how you do that and people not die <laughs> like <laughs> people are gonna die just living in the motherfuckers like i'm just i'm just, I'm just i just see death <laughs> immediately i'm like shit fit that many people in that big of a space Nigga, if you can fit it in a picture, it's not it's not that big of a it's not that big of a space. Golly, whoo. I, I almost teared up. That shit was crazy. If you look up Kowloon, though, that Kowloon's still much worse. I still think they're like, what the how the fuck did they? You know, <laughs> you look at you like, how the fuck? Let me just say we are blessed in the US. <laughs> that we do not have to be having people stacked up on top of each other like this. Even in the projects, I still be like, shit, it ain't that bad. Hell. Look at Greensboro Projects. Greensboro's projects are some of the cleanest projects I've ever seen, by the way. I'm sitting here like, this is really clean. This, like, the shit, I be like, man, Greensboro got some of the cleanest projects in the U.S., but never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. Let's, let's carry on here, because um, shit a mile. <laughs> My eyes are triggered, nigga. I, I will not put y'all through that harm of making that the episode cover no 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 people are claustrophobic that shit man i just said just just saying it though you like shit how y'all do that <laughs> 3708 apartments Ooh. all right so <laughs> um so let's talk about something uplifting um and the rest of this podcast will be dedicated to this man 
his cause, his release that has recently passed in a few like last month, I believe. Um, let's talk about the story of James Whitner. <clears throat> so some of you may know who he is, but I like talking about black businesses. And um, I feel like this is the perfect person to highlight and talk about and also talk about one of his biggest projects, probably the most ambitious, which I may consider to be maybe sneaker of the year. I'm, I'm definitely putting that up there in the air for people. So um, James Whitner. James Whitner is an American entrepreneur and the owner of streetwear boutiques Social Status, Amamaniere, and APB. A native of Pittsburgh, Whitner grew up in an impoverished area of the city, which both his parents battling addiction and many of his friends dying before childhood. Between 1997 and 2001, Whitner attended the Edinburgh University of Pennsylvania, graduating with a Bachelor of Business Administration. In 2004, when Whitner was involved in an incident where he was shot, spurring his decision moved him to Charlotte, North Carolina to pursue his dream, opening a streetwear store. The first retail space he opened was Flavor Factory in 2005. That had two locations in Charlotte, which were both closed when Whitner decided to reinvest in social status. Opened in 2011, social status originally became a denim brand before Whitner expanded the company into a select clothing and sneaker store. Alongside its in-house label, Social Status also carried brands such as Comme des Garçons, Billionaire Boys Club, Nike Sportswear, Play Clothes, and The Hundreds, and currently has five branches in Pittsburgh and North Carolina. Owing to the success of Social Status, Whitner was also able to open Ama Manière and APB. <clears throat> so James Whitner um, had a very recent release and honestly the fact that he you know uh, he's not originally from North Carolina but a big chunk of his story is in North Carolina I really thought that it was just great to spotlight him and and his release honestly is one of the biggest shoe releases of the year honestly I tried to go for him he made it easy and and, and the story behind the shoes that he that he that he released this year are still to me the best story of 2021 so um via hypebeast again because I, I i did it I, I did it again um for whitaker group founder james whitner the air jordan 3 is much more than a sneaker it's part of his life story it's my favorite air jordan and it's the first jordan silhouette my mom ever got me as a kid he tells hypebeast with roots this deep, it seems only right that Ama Manier, a Whitaker Group cornerstone alongside Social Status and APB, would focus on the Air Jordan 3 for its new women-centric collection with Jordan Brand, releasing on April 21st, which was almost a month ago. Um, Whitner sits at the helm of a vast network of sneaker retailers a unique position that enables him to see shifts in the footwear industry from a wider perspective than a consumer or a brand would. When asked how the world of women's sneakers has changed, he's quick to note that he loves to see old barriers broken down. Then 
as conversation shifts towards how men and women want what's cool, regardless of which gender it's marketed towards, he vigorously nods his head in agreement. And I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, heartedly agree with this. Exactly, he exclaims. I love getting women in the mix because it adds more depth and brings a bigger audience. Men don't need to create exclusively for men. Women don't need to create exclusively for women. The idea of segregated gender designs is antiquated. Just do dope shit and the world will embrace it. I also saw this with <clears throat> um, Alaylee May. Um, she always does a great job with her releases. Um, and she just released, of course, as y'all niggas know, <laughs> um, the Jordan one high zoom, right? Um, the Alayli May, um, uh, Califia shoe, which actually has like really great materials on it. Um, I chose not to get that shoe because I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good right now, but I love the concept. I love the design. I just loved it. Like, Hey, honestly. Jordan High 1 Zooms. Jordan 1 High Zooms are not selling. Like, they're not doing well. Like, if you go to the resale market, all of them are almost near retail. Like, and a lot of people just didn't like those. It's weird. It's like, it's a Jordan 1 High, which if it's the regular OG, it's going to sell out. But if it's this version of the shoe, it it's like bricking, like left and right, like crazy. So... Um, and I don't like using bricking because that's like a that's like a hype beast ass word, but you know that, that's what you know they don't they don't sell well, you know. So this boundary defined thought process is evident across Amamanier and Jordan Brand's entire collection by making the Air Jordan Three and its matching apparel luxurious. This collection is something anyone can play into. Whitner says. The primary purpose was to make something for women to get really excited about, but also something dope that the fellas would want. Ama Manier is rooted in a luxury street experience, and we were really attuned to that ethos, which enables us to design freely without overthinking. Of course, any collaborative Air Jordan effort from a powerful retailer is going to bring excitement. Recent standouts include Union's Air Jordan 4, which I fucking love the off-noir colorway. I, I love that damn shit, okay? At first, people was hating on that shit. I was like, nigga, I love that damn shit. Everybody like, man, man, we, we dumb. We dumb. We dumb for that one because that is a fire ass. I told y'all motherfuckers. <laughs> shit. Trophy Room's seemingly unobtainable Jordan 1s, which honestly, it's a whole story behind that one. But Ama Manier's Air Jordan 3 and its accompanying apparel are different in three major ways. The collection is made for women but produced in extended size runs so men can get in on the action as well. Its pre-release raffle was made available to women before men and its design concept is centered around a race by women short film that aims to spotlight the influence and impact of black women. Much like the, sh the choice of the silhouette, the inspiration comes directly from Whitner's life. I grew up in the 80s and things were really rough back then, says Whitner. I was raised mostly by my mother and my grandmother. A lot of black men in that era were brought up and taught, out, taught how to be men by these strong women. This collection aims to show this importance of black women. Not the ones you might see on social media posts, 
but the mothers, the grandmothers, the aunts that largely go unseen and unrecognized. Encapsulating the energy of these impactful women is no easy task, however. The Amamanier Jordan 3 does its best to put their understated and often underappreciated grace and elegance with its luxurious build. Uppers are made of white leather and raw seams and embellished with shaggy gray suede. Ivory colored detailing lands on the eye stays and heel tab, which uses a Nike Air hit instead of a Jumpman, of course. When I tell you they had that Nike Air on the back, nigga said, oh, I'm a faint. <laughs> Oh. When, when you throw Nike Air on any retro Jordan for me, a nigga fucking faints. Oh, I, I faint. I faint. I faint. Like if they put Nike Air on 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 the tongue for uh, Jordan One mids, oh niggas gonna faint. He, he gonna be like, oh, it's over for you all. <laughs> it's so over. <laughs> nah, but um. <clears throat> Nah, but um, <laughs> silver quilted collar lining works uh, with embroidered tongue details for fine flair. Work harder is presented on the lace aglets or aglets. A nod to Whitaker Group um, employee Kev Chow. There's an even there's there's even a rich hit of mauve on the midsole. The nigga, there's fucking mauve, <laughs> nigga. Look aside, the Amamanier Jordan 3 isn't just a shoe that claims to be inspired by something with no real physical proof. Whitner's mother's touch is quite literally in the design as the text graphic hidden underneath each label is done up in her handwriting. Nigga, that is amazing. The left shoe reads, all we have is each other. While the right shoe is embellished with, you have to be comfortable walking alone. These messages are seemingly at war with one another. One tells you there's strength in numbers. The other tells you it's better to be a lone wolf. According to the Whitner, or according to Whitner, the duality is entirely intentional. When you grow up in a small community and resources are limited, all you have is each other, he says. A lot of people like to move in groups to have each other's backs. That's their strength. Moving on to the right shoe, he explains. As you grow into the world and you step out as an individual, the only way you can make it is if you are rooted in the principles that you were taught and and confident in the things that make you uniquely you. A lot of times when you make hard decisions in life, there's nobody else in the room. It's you versus you. And you've got to be able to make the right decision. Nigga, this is amazing. <laughs> this is a this is a this is amazing. Okay, and this is why I tried so hard to get that shoe. By the way, James Whitner did a great job with the release, but honestly, I just wasn't able to get it. I still wasn't able to get the shoe. And honestly, this shoe is a is a shoe that if they ever do a restock or a re-release, I would love to cop this shoe for retail because resale is just too high. It's a thousand dollars resale right now. But retail, this shoe was $200, and I'm like, this shoe has so much story, and it's a very black shoe, and it's and it's not only a very black shoe, but it's also a black shoe that embraces black mothers, and it's also made by a dude who, who, who spent a lot of his time in my home state. Like, it's it hits me in so many different ways, and honestly, if you didn't cop, 
you're not alone because honestly it wasn't that limited because it had extended sizing but still it was not not copable in the easiest way right he made it easy enough for people to get and i heard of i heard about another release coming so hopefully um i can be in the neighborhood of that next restock because this shoe has a lot of meaning to me um because i was you know i i had both of my parents i grew up differently i grew up you know a, a little bit better <laughs> than james did because we, we actually had money growing up but <laughs> um you know still um the power behind it is just so great and i think this is truly sneaker of the year and it's done by a black owned business you know um and it is a great message that's what i like behind shoes you know not just a story and it's a classic silhouette it's gonna be five but it's gonna be five. It's a it's a jordan three you know one of my favorite jordans so um <clears throat> i'm sitting here like bruh like shit if i gotta sell if i gotta sell a pad you know that, that i'm not as crazy about i don't have a problem with that i, I do not have a problem with that because these are five <laughs> five and on that note like i say after every episode support black businesses and as always thank you and now folks it's time to say good night we sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Magnum the bird lord opening the door. A third eyes for thought travel tickling the core. A sheep that are thirsty, I run into the shore where I flow on and flow until I can't flow no more. Now mayday, mayday, it flows on its way. Have you heard the news? Yeah, hey, shoes are like canoes, floating on the bay. Funk behind the blues, make me wanna say, Doctor, doctor, can I be admitted? The first problem is I'm surrounded by idiots. When we collaborate, my happiness snap. Plus I got a weight problem, I can't wait to rap. Now first comes a thought, and then comes a word. First comes a thought, and then comes a turd. Shooting off the swats, the manner is absurd. Now you're watching the flight start as if I was a bird between the sun and the moon. That's where I began, and now I'm on the earth, beginning with the land. I can get cold as a winter in Japan, hot as a desert in Afghanistan. Later for the land, now I'll be a fish, deep beside the ocean, where it is a risk. Hoping that I live, and not on someone's this. For now I chase a mermaid, and started with the kiss.